0: Good morning, everyone. Interesting days. In fact, Casey, can you pull up that first song? I want to say it was the bridge of the first song. If I remember, it's toward the end. I don't even remember what the words were, except I'll remember it when I see it. But it's what, yes. I now, I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and won't stop now. Those words, by faith. See, there's key words in this. I know breakthrough is coming. There's a confidence in knowing something by faith. See, to the world, that makes no sense. No sense. Honestly, to Satan, it makes no sense. I would imagine if you could ask Satan what he feels about this war that he is waged in with God's people... And understand it's a war between Satan and God's people, not Satan and God. Because Satan has nothing that he can do against God. But he has plenty that he could do against God's people. But just ask Satan if he understands what faith is. I'm sure it frustrates him. Because the circumstances would make you believe otherwise. Right. It's interesting because and thank you, Casey, for putting that up. It's interesting because, uh, as I've been talking about for a couple of weeks, we have a trip, a Nigeria trip coming up. In fact, we leave um, this afternoon to head down to the airport, a group of us, of seven of us. And of all the trips, I don't even know how many trips I've been on. Over the last, you know, number of years since I've been going, maybe 30, 35 trips, something like that. Can't remember. Um, Of all the trips that I've been on, and we have been on some real faith-based trips before. This one's been unique, even from all of those. And I can't quite put my finger on why, except inferences of faith right the Lord has literally told us extremely little about what this trip entails on purpose he said I will not tell you anything (laughs) it's not that he's not talking to us about it it's not that we can't hear his voice it's that he has said I will not say anything about this trip until your feet are on the ground Now, I can only assume why. In the past, I would have said it's a test of our faith. And and I would have been correct in that statement because God did need to build that faith to know that when he says it, it's done. Just like what it said in that song. I know breakthrough is coming because by faith... I see a miracle or whatever it says. I know because of faith. Right? In the past, I would have said that those things are to build our faith. This time, I don't think so. Because Satan has done his best to come against this trip, probably as much or more than any other significant trip that we've had. In fact, to this point right now, I still do not have notification that we're approved to fly this afternoon. <laughs> That's kind of funny. We have seven seven of us going this afternoon, and we don't have authorization to even get on the plane. But see, we're leaving for the airport this afternoon at 4.30, just like we planned. Not with any angst in our hearts as to, oh, you know, will we have to come back. In fact, by faith, Jeff, I'm going to tell you and Anissa who are taking us to the airport, when you drop us off, don't even bother waiting. Just drive. Because by faith, we will be on those flights. Yeah, Anissa, that was way too easy of a... Of a I, I mean, you're, you're supposed to just care about us a little bit <laughs> No, I'm kidding. By faith, you will drive off. <laughs> Because by faith, we will be on that flight. Because the flight's not anything to the Lord. If they don't let us on the flight, then I'm just going to pray the luggage makes it when we spirit travel over there. Because we're going over there. Because what he has planned, that he has not told us about yet, is extraordinary. I also know that by faith. I know that by the tone of his voice. I know that by the care that he has placed into the planning of us even being there and who is to be there. I know that by the sheer fact of the enemy fighting in every way he possibly can. By the way, side note here, I I just, I, I can't help but always point out the stupidity of humankind. And I want to take this moment to point it out. It used to be that in Nigeria, they would require one COVID test when you get there. And, and you have to actually purchase the test here and schedule it within seven days of your landing there. And whatever, you know, whatever. I think it's just for the money, but whatever. So that was fine. Well, now they require two tests. Within five days of each other. Explain that one to me. But even worse, even worse, is the fact that if you are vaccinated, you only have to do the one. I'm sorry, am I the only person that just thinks that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard? I mean, from even their thinking, if you're vaccinated, shouldn't they not have to take it at all? I mean, why not take one every day? When ninety-eight percent of the country there is not even vaccinated. Honestly, very few have COVID. So I, all I can all I can assume is it's a money thing. But I'll retract all my all my getting off track there. I just there are certain things that bug me, and that just happens to be one of them. But by faith, we will be on that flight. Because the only thing the Lord has told us about this trip, specifically, I mean. I mean, he he has told us this trip is significant and all that in general terms. But the only specific thing he has said to us is that we are only to move when he tells us to move. When we're there, we're to seek him. We're to move when he says to move. We're not to move until he says to move. In fact, we have been given two warnings about that very thing. Not to move on our own. Not to look at circumstances and and decide, make a decision of movement based on circumstances. This is where he has taken me this morning. And this is what... I know He wants to speak through me. So let's pray. Father, we worship You and we praise You. We thank You. We love You. Thank You, Lord, that You devised this thing called faith that allows us to literally move in bridge from this realm to Your realm in believing You. From the seen to the unseen. Not from the real to the hopeful. But truly it's more from the lacking to the real. Because your kingdom is the real. Father, I pray that you speak through me this morning your words, none of my own. I give you my mouth, I give you my will, I give you my mind, I give you my hands, my feet. I give you everything that I am. And I ask that you do with them what you will. But even I do not want to hear anything out of my mouth that is not you. Let alone all those that are hearing my words. So Lord, speak through me according to your will. As you have sent your Holy Spirit to prepare hearts, Father, burn deep inside of each of us the message that you have. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. I was sitting with the Lord this morning and he had taken me a bunch of different places and it was really interesting because I'm not exactly sure if he's got time all together or if they were different independent thoughts, but he did give me, I don't know if you would call this a title or what you want to call it, but he gave me these words, don't let circumstances dictate my will, and that was him saying it, so let me say it from my standpoint. Don't let circumstances dictate God's will. Don't let what you see around you, what you see swirling in the atmosphere, what you see in your own life, maybe even see in the path of where you are walking. Don't let those circumstances dictate His will for you. Do you understand what I mean? Because, see, that happens so often. How we look at life and we make choices based on what's in front of us. Well, God couldn't mean this because A, B, and C are not there. God must mean this because it's an open door. God couldn't mean that I'm supposed to go here because it will offend these people here that I love. Do you see what I'm saying? We do this all the time. We bring those things to our mind and we justify the choices that we make based on circumstances. By the way, guys, that's not faith. Just to be clear, that's not faith at all. In fact, it's the opposite of faith. He reminded me and took me to a verse we all know. In fact, it was the foundational verse of this ministry. And that's Matthew 6.33. I want you to turn there. I know you all have it memorized, but I want you to turn there anyways. We're going to start reading a couple of verses before. Because he's talking about anxiousness of life. He's talking about the worries of this realm. Of what we face here. Uh, Let's see. Let's just start start at verse 31. And he's talking about. You know, gives examples of how he provides through his creation and and everything else. But verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, after all, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Let me repeat that piece. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We always leave that part off, because what we want to think is that if we believe and we seek his kingdom, there will be no trouble. There will be no test of our faith, because we've already claimed our faith. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, we we believe, so I've, I've already graduated that, Lord, so you don't need to test that faith again. There's a difference between being tested in that faith and simply walking in that faith. Walking in it means it does not dictate what you do. What dictates what you do is what God has told you to do. Seek first Him. Seek first His kingdom. What does that mean? It means we are seeking something that in this realm, in this body, we cannot possibly connect with. We can only connect it with him in his realm, in his kingdom. And then a lot of people like to ignore that next part, which is the qualifier for seeking him in his kingdom. It's... And seeking His righteousness. Why? Because when we walk in the purity of a walk with Him, is when those walls that we build up between us, between me and Him in that relationship that we are building together, I put up these walls through sin. When I seek righteousness when I seek forgiveness, when I seek the strength literally to stop that addiction or sin or whatever it may be, then those walls come down. That relationship becomes tighter and more sweet. But see, there's something else that happens. There is a righteousness that we become, begin to become cloaked in. Not a sinlessness. I'm not saying, just like some who believe, when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you can no longer sin. That's baloney. It's absolute baloney. If they have any kind of rational thought at all, they'll, they'll see that. No. It's about continually seeking Him. Seeking Him on an ongoing basis. Seeking Him. Seeking His righteousness. Just like it says in in Psalms, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Know my ways. Point out anything that comes between you and I. Anything at all. So we're to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to us. The other place that he took me, and it refers to those who do not do that, who do not seek his kingdom. He was taking me through the letters to the seven churches this morning. And I want you to turn to just one in particular. I love to sit with, you know, Revelation 3, 7-13, through 13, which is Church Philadelphia, but he won't let me go there this morning. But I'll just point it out. It's a really good one. Read it over and over again. Really good one. But he wants to take us to the last one, the church of Laodicea. Turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or or cold or hot. In other words, I wish you were either cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And we've read this a thousand times. And none of us understand or know God's heart in what criteria He holds in being lukewarm. Because He knows our heart. Praise God that that is not anybody else's judgment but his. Because he knows the heart. He looks beyond circumstances and he knows the heart. However, he does give us an indication here of what it means on the outside to be lukewarm. Verse 17, For you say, I am rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. In other words, I got a pretty good handle on it. Got a decent job, making money to at least pay the bills. You know, things are going pretty well in the family. You know, no no real bad things there. You know, little hiccups here and there, but nothing real bad. I I, we're kind of we're kind of doing well. We're on cruise, right? No hiccups. See, when you look at life that way, you begin to diminish the need for God in your life. Because you don't even know what's coming. And that's on purpose, by the way. (laughs) God wants you to always be giving it to Him. He said, but the reality is that you are wretched. You are pitiable, poor, blind. And naked, that word naked there is interesting because what it really is talking about is the righteousness of God that he places on our lives when we walk in purity. It is literally the white robes that it talks about in Revelation. Also talks about it in Zechariah chapter 3. That here we are in these disgusting robes called sin. We, we call it our sinful flesh. And in Zechariah chapter 3, he said, Put new robes on Joshua. Put a clean turban on his head. Because his sins are cleansed. Same with those in Revelation whose garments were white. It's not just that they had a wardrobe choice. (laughs) It's that they chose to walk in purity. They chose to walk in giving, literally giving Jesus Christ every piece of their life. So the lukewarm are those literally that look at the circumstances of the day and dictate their steps based on those circumstances canceling out the very faith God wants them to say, or wants them to have. If we walked in this kind of faith, the seven of us that are leaving today, then we would say right now, well, perhaps, perhaps it's not God's will for us to go on this flight. Perhaps it's not God's will for us to actually do this trip. Maybe we got that wrong, because see, we've put it all in God's hands. Do you, see, do you see how it'd be so easy to say that? It'd be so easy. We put it in his hands. We trust him for the pathway. And if this door's closed, well, then that must be his will. Oh, man. Satan just is thrilled over the victories that he gets in circumstances like that. No, the fact is, God was clear that we were, that we are to go on this trip. He was clear. It wasn't a question, He was clear. So then everything else is about, okay, God, you take care of it. We will step and you take care of it. I remember times in the past when this happened. In fact, the last, the only other time in Nigeria where the Lord would not Tell us, you know, in any kind of advanced setting, what was what he wanted us to do. He said, "Seek me in the morning every single day. I will tell you what you're going to do that day." And I remember this one specific time. It was the first time we were going to meet the king, the torteef, and he was supposed to be down in Boko where he lives, but he was up in Abuja and. And we were supposed to see him in a couple of days. And it was, the Lord said that morning, pack up, leave for Abuja today. But Lord, we'll, we'll miss the Tortive. No, you won't. Okay. See, the circumstances would have dictated that we waited. And that door would have closed on us leaving that day. But we, by faith, moved. And we left. And turned out that he got stuck in Abuja. And we saw him when we got up there. And we met him for the first time. And it was an incredible, incredible time that led to, now, a very close friendship. See, if we took the circumstances of the day into that moment we would have humanly had to figure out what we need to do. And you know what? A lot of times God has grace on that. A lot of times. Because maybe he will let you refigure something out because he's trying to get you down a path of simply just believing something and moving in a direction that he wants you to move. But every time we do that, It costs us faith. When we don't move in faith, and by the way, I'm not talking about just guessing. You know, pick a lottery number and then have faith that you're going to win. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God tells you something clearly and then the circumstances are so different than what he's telling you. Don't do Don't then take the human thinking and make changes to your pathway because of the circumstances. You know, there's a good example of this that the Lord took me to in Scripture, and there really there are so many good examples. But the one that I want to go over this morning and share with you is the story of Hezekiah. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. Because so often... We do this. So often, and, and, and I want to say, I won't even say we, I want to say the bride. Because I will say you can get to a point in your relationship with Christ in learning his voice, in trusting his voice, and in offering the faith through so many steps that there's a confidence. There's a confidence in walking in that faith. You can get to that point. You absolutely can get to that point. There's no consternation for this team leaving today. We will leave today. Doesn't matter what what it says. Doesn't matter anything else. I mean, maybe Donald Trump will send us his jet. How cool would that be? I don't even know him, but if any of you know him, it'd be really awesome to fly that instead of having to fly British Air. <laughs> Even though I like British Air, they're good. But do you understand that there's no consternation for this team? We're going because the Lord said we have to be there. And and (laughs) the rest is on him. The faith is on us, but the rest is on him. We can't control anything about our movement. He's in control of that. So our faith is that. So when God tells you something like God told Hezekiah something, I want to go through this story. Let's, let's just start at the beginning of this story. Chapter 18, verse 1. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abbey, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. That's interesting, by the way. Well, I don't, I don't want to get rabbit trailed there. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the king, among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from Watchtower to Fortified City. So the important part to get here is he was on fire for the Lord. He believed everything the Lord said. He trusted him in his relationship with the Father. Do you understand? In the fourth year of the king, Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of the three years, he took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. The king of Assyria carried the Israelites away to Assyria and put them in Halah. And on the, and and on the Hebor, the, king, the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, even all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, they neither listened nor obeyed. So he, get, he gives an example of what happened to the other kingdom, right? That did not obey the Lord, they were taken over. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me, whatever you impose on me, I will bear. And the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah... King of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorposts that Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria sent the tartan, the rapsaris, and the, All these words really good. Rab Shekha, with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah, Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the highway at the washer's field. And when they called for the king, there came out to them Eliakim, son of Hilka, who was over the house, and Shebna the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. I'm not going to go through everything that was said. Basically, we're going to kill you guys. You're going to be our slaves, and we're going to take you over. Okay? That's the gist of what was said there to Hezekiah and and the people. Go down to chapter 19. In reaction to this happening, now now recognize that the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had sent this envoy to say, we're about to come after you. Right. We're coming after you. And so King Hezekiah, he reacts by going to the prophet Isaiah. Verse, verse one of 19. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household and Shebna the secretary and the senior priest covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. I don't know about you, but highlight that in your Bible. I highlighted that right there. Let me read it again. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength. To bring them forth. That is where we are right now as a bride. We are at the point of birth. Of birthing what God has said that He is bringing. What the prophets have spoken through the prophets. All these things that are coming. That you cannot see. That make no sense. That you don't even see any signs of. Prophets have Referred to it as the birth pains. That we're in the birth pains of birthing birthing this promise. This promise that God has given to his bride, to his remnant, that would believe. Literally this promise of bringing them to a point of leadership in the world. Wow, what a promise, because it pretty much looks the opposite of that right now, right? That's what Hezekiah was crying out. He said again, children have come to the point of birth, and there's no strength to bring them forth. We have no strength to do this, God. Verse 4, it may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, is sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid, because the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. So again, Hezekiah saw the landscape of what was going on. What was different than all the promises of God? I mean, God had promised Israel safety in the land. He had promised Israel all these good things and now all of a sudden the Assyrians are going to come and take them over, kill them, make them their slaves. That was the reality. A much stronger, more powerful army that had just taken over other lands. That was the reality. That's what... What King Hezekiah was looking at, his first response was not to give in, but to go to the Lord. Lord, I I need truth from you. I need truth from you to know what I am looking at and what I am seeing. I am seeing through the right lens. Through the lens that you want me to look through. So I am seeking your face, Lord. I am seeking what you want me to do what you are saying you want us to react with, and 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 that's when the the prophet Isaiah spoke what the Lord had said. So again, this next next point, we won't we won't go through and read the whole thing. But uh, well, you know what? I will. I will. I'm just gonna. I won't comment. I'll just read through it so you know what happened. Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Turkana, king of Cush, behold, he is set out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the king of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph? And the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath? The king of Arpad? The king of the son of Sepharvaim? The king of Hena? Or the king of Eva? In other words, he's just digging in. Just digging in saying, All this evidence shows you guys are about to be crushed. So again, Hezekiah's response. It was not a lack of faith. It was to go to the Lord. Right? The next verse, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter, this letter that was sent, saying what we just read from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, spread it before the Lord on his altar. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God, to literally mock you. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Now I want you to notice something interesting here. The first time that he was seeking an answer from the Father, from God, He had sent to Isaiah the prophet. This time he just goes into the temple and lays out this evidence of mockery of what God had literally said. He he didn't go and seek out Isaiah. He laid it before the Lord. So how in the world do you think Isaiah knew to respond? Right there is proof that God speaks through his prophets. Then Isaiah, the son of of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom... Have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have mocked the Lord and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses. I entered its furthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and I dried up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass that you should turn fortified, ruin, fortified cities into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants shorn of strength are dismayed and confounded and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. But I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be a sign, be the sign for you. This year, eat wheat, what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs of the same? Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will do this. Now, before I I go on to verse 32, I want to point out there what, what God was saying in that is, I knew everything. I knew everything long before you were ever born. Long before you ever decided to take this nation. I knew you would send that letter. I knew every step of what you have taken. And he was also... Saying that to give comfort to Hezekiah and the the people of Israel. But the Lord goes on to say in verse 32 Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria He shall not come into this city, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. If it had stopped there, and and I want you for a second to put yourself in Hezekiah's shoes and the people of Israel. They just heard the word of the Lord. This was a double down of what they had heard before, right? They had heard the word of the Lord before that he will not be able to come against you. Don't worry, right? But then they get this letter and they get the advancement. Wait a second, Lord, you, you, you said that you were going to do this. They're coming. They're coming. They're at the doorstep. You said, Lord, you said. And yet, nothing had happened yet. So, Hezekiah, in his response, he takes that letter to the Lord, lays it before him, and says, This letter mocks you because I believe you and what you have said. And the Lord's response was no different than what he said the first time. In fact, he shared a little bit more about what was going to happen to Sennacherib, what was going to happen to Assyria. And I could just imagine the faith that was required right there. I mean, guys, this isn't about losing your job. This isn't about a change in lifestyle or anything else. This was a life and death or slavery issue. See, we don't understand what that means. None of us, growing up here in this country, has it has been a safe haven from other countries that have come in here to literally control us. They haven't been able to. Because God has made this nation strong. But that's all changing, isn't it? We see it change before our very eyes. We see it change almost in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, where we are today versus where we are less than a year ago. Pretty unbelievable thought. How quickly things change. How the vulnerability of this nation overnight has changed. So imagine their thought process. They have little kids. They have family. They have things that they care about that are about to be taken over in the human realm with what things look like in the human realm. So their choice of trusting God was an extraordinary choice. See, they don't have the benefit of reading the 66 books of the Bible like we do. How much more is required of us that we have this history of what God has done to pull from now they they did have history they had the Israelites being pulled out of Egypt they had all those miracles they had being taken into the, the land the promised land they had all of those they had relationship with God But they were expected to believe. We are expected to believe. We're expected to walk in a way that it shows we believe. Do you understand what I mean? Not doing things in the outside that allow us to move through this time so we can make things a little easier. But literally to take a stand with what's right. To stand up for what God has said. That's what Hezekiah was doing. If he didn't stand up, he would have opened the doors and said, okay, let's work out a deal to where we don't have to die and, and we can, we can perhaps work in, in servanthood and, and, you know, Still have food to eat and a place to stay. He could have worked out a deal. That's certainly what Sennacherib was trying to do in the letter in the first place. But he believed. He had faith that was not going to be rocked. Look at what happened. Verse 35. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. We could just close right there. The hand of God and his response was so precise. But yet, it was not even a response in this realm. Do you understand that? The effects were in this realm. I mean, they really died. In in fact, let's keep reading there. It says, and when people arose early in the morning, behold, there were all these dead bodies. Can you imagine that? That means that the rumble of that attack of 185,000 people dying was so much so that it didn't even wake people up. I mean, how extraordinary is that? It didn't even wake them up. You could be sleeping, and this is what happened. This is what it says. They're sleeping. They wake up, and Joe, get up. We were supposed to be up an hour ago. Come on, wake up. Wake up. Joe's dead. What the heck? Maybe Joe just had a rough night. Hey, Phil! Phil, over there! Uh, Phil's dead, too. All these people are dead. Other people standing up realizing all oh, that are dead around them. And that they didn't even hear it. How would you react? I don't know about you. I mean, because we're Christians, we would drop to our knees and say, Okay, Lord, you got to tell us what's going on because this is way out of my comfort zone. But imagine how the world would react. Would they lift their sword and be ready to fight whatever came? No. No, they'd be as far away from the sword as possible in hopes that they wouldn't be seen as a threat. And that's exactly what happened. They ran. They ran and left everything there. Literally, Israel plundered all that they had there. Do you see? It was seeking the kingdom of God is what Hezekiah did. He trusted God in his realm to do what He promised. Because He is not a god made of stone or of wood. He's the God that created all things. And He allowed this pathway, this bridge between you and Him, between this realm, limited realm and His unlimited realm and that bridge is relationship that bridge is fueled by faith by walking walking in the faith of the promises of him if you don't hear his voice that's fine don't start there then first of all it takes faith to hear his voice because i'm here to tell you you can hear his voice just like you are hearing my voice But you don't have to start there. You don't have to wait until I hear His voice. Let me just keep moving my life as it is until I hear His voice. He's given you all kinds of promises in His Word in those 66 books written by over 40 authors. He's written you promises that you can claim. He's given you a guide So you can know how to step and how to walk. So begin walking in the promises that he makes in his word. But don't doubt. When you know it's something the Lord has said to you, step with boldness. Don't let anything deter you. Anything stop you. Walk in it because two things are going to happen. One, he's going to increase your faith. But two, he's going to build in that faith a testimony to others. Because others will see that you walked in that faith. All those hearing my voice right now will see that next time you hear my voice, it will be in Nigeria. I'd have to listen really carefully, or I'll have to scream and shout, but but it will be from there. Why? Because things have opened up and we know the pathway? No. Not at all. Because the Lord has said it and we believe it. It's not from our own strength at all. It's simply from his. Because what he and, and by the way, this is just the beginning. Oh, man, Lord has set aside a prayer team for this trip. Thank you for praying through this piece of it for us to actually get there. And that is the reaction that we have to everything. We pray. Lord, wait a second. You said, but see what they're doing? It's kind of like going to tell Dad. You know, in this case, it's okay to tattle. Be a tattler. Maybe that's a good... No, no, no. probably not. (laughs) I was going to say, that'd be a good title. Be a toddler. No. No. (laughs) No. But tell Dad. Tell him. Tell him, Lord, this is what you said, and this is what the circumstances are dictating. I already know what you want me to do, but God, I'm just pointing this out because I'm going to step in faith. And then just move in faith. Whatever the circumstance you find yourself, you may not be on this team going to Nigeria today, but I guarantee you are standing in circumstances similar, every one of you. I know you are because that's how God builds faith. That's what he chooses to do in every single life. You may ignore that choice and assume that it's not happening. doesn't mean it's not there. Every single one of you has a situation in your life right now where he wants you to step in faith from something he's told you and to just trust him. First and foremost, make sure it's him. Make sure it's him. Don't assume because of the circumstances that it's him. Because if that were the case, Hezekiah would have become a slave. And all the children of Israel would have become slaves. Don't look at the circumstances and turn your head away from the circumstances. If, if we looked at the circumstances, we wouldn't even be in Nigeria. I mean how in the world the, the Lord has provided everything that he's. I mean, just, just this trip alone, what it costs us is almost as much as the amount of money we brought in the first year as a ministry. Just this trip. How in the world? Our church hasn't grown. We're a house church. We're still a bunch of young people. And I do include myself in that. <laughs> you. I'm kidding. What's grown? Our faith. Because God does it. God does it. And he's going to do it. When we get on ground there, that's when the heavy praying begins. If he had already told us what's going to happen there, I I could tell you what to pray into. But I can't. That's why he wants us on the ready to pray at a moment's notice. Let's come on up. He is going to do this, and we trust him to do it.
1: I love the story so much of Hezekiah. I think it was just there recently, and uh, man, I just love it because it is such a picture of what God is trying to do with His bride. And you know, the reason God gave us Matthew 6:33 as a mantra is because He's the part of the readying of the bride is to really transform a way of thinking that He has to have in place for us to accomplish what He needs us to accomplish. It is a seeking first his kingdom, a kingdom mindset. It's the, the superior reality, what we call the real reality, is the spirit realm, working from the superior reality into the inferior reality, which is this realm, the human realm. And that story is so great because you see that it was the spirit realm action taking place by the hand of God, the angels of God, the armies of God, that then manifested in a human realm thing to see, which was the, the death of the of the soldiers. The death of the threat against them. And that's that is why the story is so awesome for us to apply in our own lives, to work from our superior real reality of the kingdom realm because we are citizens of heaven right we're citizens of heaven we operate we by faith we're to operate from what is our superior reality into the human reality into the reality that is inferior to everything kingdom and that's what brings changes so when our first response when we seek first we react first in the kingdom realm that is why God said, seek first the kingdom and, and, and my righteousness, and everything else will be added. It's exactly like what Hezekiah did. He sought first what God had to say before he reacted in what I'm sure he knew is as, a, as an experienced king. He had authority. He had rulership here on this earth. He, he had people that obeyed him as they did kings you know, in that day. On a dime, he had a lot of power, and yet he knew that the greatest authority, the real shift and change of what felt like an impossible threat against him, was only going to be found in the superior reality. So that's really um, something that I find, you know, when we look at walking by faith and not by sight, that God is wanting to develop in us. And I know every single day um, I was speaking to the ladies this morning about. Every door that is open before us, and, and all of us, not just as a church, but each of us have individually have new doors that we go through because we're always growing. If you're, if you're stagnant, it's, it's, it's like a shrinking back, a falling back. God is always having us pressing toward, like Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling of the Lord Jesus. And every single door, there's a threshold to cross through. And so with each threshold that we cross, there's going to be a new um, level of dependency presented before us. And I love, that, um, I love that he stretches us in that way because the danger, though, sometimes is that the more experiences that you have, you tend to kind of look back at what you know, what you've done, and apply that in the human realm to this new situation. And so we've got to be really careful that we don't do that, that we're seeing God is doing a new thing. And now it's more evident than it ever has been. I mean, it's, there is as much as people, and I see it in different pockets, as much as people are trying to grasp a sense of normalcy and the tradition of churches and trying to form and put back together the, after the first you know, explosion of the COVID and trying to find some normalcy, they're struggling because God's not allowing it to happen. They're trying to go back to programs that worked a decade ago and, and it's just it's not happening and it's not happening and man, praise God for that. Because honestly, if it never worked, you know, his grace was, okay. I know. I'm gonna let you think it's working for a while. Right now, we are living in exciting times where we're able to see immediately <laughs> that it just is not working. So we're going to the Lord and and people are waking up. There's so many that need to wake up. But people are waking up and going to the Lord and saying, okay, wow, what's going on here? That always worked. I, I did A plus B, it always equaled C. What what happened? And he's saying, I'm doing a new thing. It's actually always supposed to have been my way. But now it's time to be a pure, unadulterated bride. No more cheating my grace and my mercy will always be there, will always be sufficient, but I will no longer tolerate anything but a single eye. The lukewarm will be spit out. It's it's an amazing time of both perilous times, like Timothy talks about, but awesome times. Because God is taking us to that unified, ready place to reign with Jesus. Wow, whatever that means. You know, like we, we don't even know, we can't even grasp the full scope of it. But I love these Old Testament stories. Everything in the word of God is, is relevant and real and applicable by his spirit for present day situations. And so that's such a great story. Praise God. Uh, I want to say thank you, Greg, but he knows good and well it wasn't him. It was just God. Thank you, God, for, for sharing that this morning through Greg's mouth. Um, let's pray. Father God, we just love you. We thank you, God, for who you are. God, thank you that you can be the, the source where we find every answer, we find every uh, way of breakthrough when we're standing with what seems in this human realm to our human eyes an impenetrable wall or an impassable mountain. But God, when we work from the kingdom, which is where you need us to work from, God, we see that mountains are leveled before us. And that that is the very least of what you want to have happen as we trust you by faith. Thank you, God. Thank you for your greatness. Oh, God, the more we exercise our faith, the more we live and walk by faith, and that we live and we move and we have our being in you, the more we get to see the greatness of our God. Oh, God, we get to see your faithfulness. Even though many of us have been singing great is thy faithfulness our whole lives, we really don't know that greatness. But you are showing your greatness because you will share your glory with no other. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that when you show us your glory, it often comes through these trials, through these tests of faith. Like when you said that, Jesus, in the story of the... Lazarus, the pain that they endured through seeing Lazarus ill and then dying, when you didn't go immediately, Jesus, you said, This is for my glory, for the glory of my Father. The glory came through a difficult situation that only by faith God showed who he really was and at that time had not really shown that he was a God that can raise the dead. But God, you are so great and so awesome. And so even in the midst of what is darkness all around us, God. Oh God, we know the little quotes and we know the little Christianese. But God, it is just truth that the light shines brighter in the dark. So God, let us just be saturated with your light by faith from the superior, supreme reality, which is your kingdom realm. And just let it burst forth in this human reality that we live in, God. I just pray that you would open our eyes, open our spirit eyes, God. And even with evidence that will be before our human eyes, God, you know it will still take an opening of our spirit eyes because those in Jesus' day saw the human realm. They saw in the human realm the miracles before them, but their spirit eyes were still closed. And they would not accept what was right before them. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to see, God, who you are, how great you are, how small our biggest problem is for you to solve. You are so mighty, so holy, and so worthy of presenting our entire bodies as a living sacrifice before you. Holy, acceptable. That is reasonable. To be radical is reasonable. Thank you, God. We can only know that, though, God, as we seek you by faith. So help us, God. Thank you for what you're doing in Nigeria. Connect every heart listening to my prayer right now, God. Connect every heart with what you are doing there, God, and and open up those who you will be bringing there, begin to already just tug on their heartstrings, God, to prepare them for you taking them there, but no matter what, God, to just unify all of us in this work that you are clearly breathing on. God, the enemy, oh man, we sang the song, God, the darkness has to flee at the name and the power and the blood of Jesus, and I praise you for it. God, we just love you. We're excited. To see all that is going to spring forth. Even things we've never even seen before. Thank you God. You are a wonder. You are worthy. So we praise you and I lift all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.